Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Gavin. And here we are with uh, episode 26. Hooray. Back home after our, our excitement of being in Paris. Mm-hmm. And, well, absolutely tons and tons and tons of World Cups to catch up yes. on. Yes. So I don't know how much detail we're actually going to get into this. But. I think it's going to be a high-speed run-through. And and I've got my first interview of the season as oh, well. right, okay. So, all to play for. Mm-hmm. So where will we start? Uh, We've returned to Paris uh, yeah. because we produced our podcast mm-hmm. slightly delayed due to a few audio technical issues, mm-hmm. i.e. trying to record in the, the concrete bunker that is the, the press room of, uh, of the Stade Pierre de Coubertin. It's a corner. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. So we, we talked about the individuals in, in our last podcast, uh, but a quick look back at the teams mm-hmm. and pretty easy to cover, really. Um, USA won again. Again. That's what... They don't win every single Well, at that point, event. that was their, their third win on the bounce this mm-hmm. season in yeah. the World Cups. And it was pretty untroubled stuff, really. It, it was. I mean, I remember the the French team looked good against Korea and then were just completely outclassed by the Italians in Italians the semi-finals. In the semi-finals. Yep. That's right, yeah. That was quite entertaining, though, because obviously big French crowd making mm-hmm. a lot of noise. Yep. Uh, Garotti doing his best to win over the hearts uh, and yeah. Very, very much so. So final final fight of that match, uh, Garotti against French national treasure, Erwin Le Pichu. Yep. Every time Le Pichu well, it's anything at all, really. The crowd go absolutely bananas. Mm-hmm. But Grotso sees it out for the win. And then... It's good that fight, actually. It was very close. It was, yeah. yeah. Whips off his mask, cups both hands behind his ears to give it a... What are you saying now? Yeah. What are you saying now? And uh, it's a sign that you've you've kind of messed up and really offended the locals uh, when Kassar is the man, is the the, the voice of reason, that <laughs> comes over and tries to save you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that meant that the the Italians were not at all popular even in the final, uh, but in the end it wasn't wasn't particularly close in USA. No, we just dumped them. Ran out fairly comfortable. Yeah. Ones. Yeah. Another impressive showing from the American team. Mm-hmm. Race uh, looked like he was trying to get the crowd to be on his side. Well, he's, he's got a bit of history with Garozzo as well. Right, okay. Um, and he'd gone out to him the day before in the individual. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, the two of them just seem to, to wind each other up, which is excellent entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it wouldn't get in the last laugh in this one. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, another USA men's four team win. Mm-hmm. I did my first interview of the season, apart mm-hmm. from the live ones that I did when we were in, in Paris. Yep. Those of you who enjoy your enjoy your podcast and, and listen to us, mm-hmm. probably a good chance that you've already tracked down uh, the Sabre Coach Cake podcast. And if you haven't, then you definitely should. And it's an interview interview based podcast, so rather different from us, the more two dudes talking kind of a, mm-hmm. a podcast with the odd interview thrown in there. So I thought I'd turn the tables on Kate and interview her about her podcasting experience. And here's what she had to say. Kate, welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Sean. Well, we've done a bit of preamble to explain who you are and what you do, but what we haven't really mentioned is how did you get started in fencing and what, what your main role, apart from the podcast, is uh, in the sport? Well, I actually uh, waited until my senior year of college uh, to take a fencing PE class. Um, you had to have a PE credit, and so I was dying to try fencing, I never could get into the class right. until that senior year when we got to sign up first. And so I got in there and uh, it was dry foil yep. and I really enjoyed it. Uh, but unfortunately, there was only one semester. There wasn't a club at the at the college I went to. And so I just had to let it fall by the wayside for about eight years or so. All right. Okay. And, and then I'd been teaching public school for a while. 
and, uh, you know, hit 30, looked at myself and my body and (laughs) realized like any adult, oh my, it's time to go to the gym. (laughs) And so I tried Jazzercise and Zumba and kind of those more, uh, just the things that you typically see women doing at the gym. Yeah. And since I have two left feet, that didn't work (laughs) out very well. I didn't know what a step ball change was or, you know, I I just stand around watching other people work out and I had no idea what to do. (laughs) (laughs) So then at the the recreational center where I was taking those classes, um, I was looking through the pages of their catalog one day and saw a fencing class. And it had only started, I think, about two months before I found it in the catalog. And so I, you know, signed up for it right away, got pretty excited and then uh, ended up really, really falling in love with the sport all over again. And this time it was Sabre. Right. Uh, because the instructor who would eventually become my husband was uh, a Sabre-only instructor. Okay. And so, so it took me a while to actually be able to get into it. But once I did, I embraced it fully and haven't looked back since. Yeah. So from your, your I suppose, relatively humble fencing beginnings, you're going to compete and, and you're now coach. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, you never know where life is going to take you. Uh, I graduated from the University of Northern Iowa with a degree in secondary education and a French ma- uh, major and a Spanish minor. And now I'm the co-owner <laughs> and co-manager of Cutting Edge Fencing in Texas. And, you know, just never saw life taking me down this path. Yeah, it's, probably, probably not it's the really you incredible. Have, probably not the route you would have expected it, I don't know, 25 or something. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And so now at the club, I'm in charge of, uh, I mean, my official title is I am in charge of the outreach and athlete affairs. But okay. really what I do is help create the good club atmosphere um, make sure that the athletes are being taken care of, giving them lessons and helping teach classes. Also to manage the other coaches that we've got at the club. Right. We have a wonderful group of people, um, all of whom have gone up through the ranks in our club. We've got two fencing parents and a fencer who's 17. They do a fabulous job. And I help uh, David write the curriculum. Uh, just, you know, any of those small business tasks yeah, that need to all, get done. All the things they need to to make it work. Yes, absolutely. He handles a lot of the the numbers, the financial side, the administrative side. I'm more like the fencing mom. Yeah. And I'm trying to... You're the people person. To, yeah. And it's really funny because it just shows how much fencing can really change a person. Because I'm actually really shy and introverted and don't like talking to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, fencing has really helped me become a very confident woman. You know, now I'm talking to somebody who is thousands of miles away from me. Yeah, and, and, you know, like through all my interviews, uh, I've really learned to come out of my shell. And through my activities at the club, I've really had to as well. And so it's definitely been a positive change for me. Yeah, a sport that's, a sport that's genuinely changed your life. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. So, so what gave you the idea to start the Saber Coach Kate podcast? Well, a couple of things. Um, I noticed that fencing wasn't really out there much uh, on social media or, you know, when all the podcasts were starting up, I could find a bunch of podcasts about like coaching soccer or, Mm. you know, baseball or things like that. And, and I just noticed that there was this big hole as far as fencing goes. And also really the, the moment that I really decided to do it 
was when uh, a really good friend and mentor of my husband's, her name is Jerry Baumgart, she passed away. And she was a really influential woman in U.S. fencing and just influenced and mentored a, a ton of people. And when she when she passed away, I realized nobody from my generation necessarily got to know her or knew her stories. Hmm. And so I wanted a way to record some of the history of U.S. fencing and to help people, especially women, understand where we're coming from. Right. My sport, Women's Saber, is a really recent addition to to the sport in general and yeah. to the Olympics in particular. And I, I want you know the younger women to realize what the women ahead of me had to do in order for them to be able to accomplish what they are. Uh, today. Yeah. And so it's through a sense of gratitude to the people that came before me. And I guess a bit of a sense of nostalgia as well that I decided to create this podcast. That's a brilliant reason for doing it. And uh, it's it's turned up some some fantastic interviews and some fascinating characters, a lot of whom I wasn't aware of. I mean, there's several of you've interviewed that are, you know were familiar names to me, but a lot that weren't and really interesting stories. Delighted that you have you have started the podcast and uh, pushed on with the, the number of interviews. Was it close to 20 now? Yes, yes. I just posted my 18th one. Uh, that was the fencing coach, Damien LaFelt. Yeah, yeah. Another good guy. I was going to interview him, but I kind of, we missed each other for some reason. I'll get him eventually, but I feel like I've maybe missed the boot. He'd be delighted. He loves to talk about our sport. And so I definitely would take the opportunity if I were you. He has some really good things to say. Great. I, yeah, I've, I've not listened to that one yet. So don't, don't spoil the surprise for me. Okay, okay. I did have to give a profanity alert on that one. So. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll bear that in mind if I do interview him. Okay. okay. <laughs> so aside from uh, Damien's, Damien's dirty mouth, uh, what are the challenges that you face in producing the podcast? Well, I didn't know anything about how to even start creating one. Um, you know, I would just plug in my, my iPhone and, you know, magically all these people would start talking to me. Yeah. But I didn't have the slightest idea how to even get started. And I'm not, I'm not super technologically savvy, but I'm not afraid to try new things either. Mm -hmm. And so I got on to YouTube and like everybody does and started doing some research about how to start a podcast, uh, where to go to have it be hosted, how to, you know, buy the equipment for it. And, uh, as far as challenges, it would be, you know, my lack of knowledge about this kind of thing, but also funding. Uh, if you want a good microphone, it's, it's not cheap and, and uh, also the the time that you put into it. That was a real challenge for me, especially in the fall. Um, I had to give up producing more episodes because my teaching job at Texas Wesleyan just kind of took over my life. Since this right now is a, it's a good hobby for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that was unfortunately something I had to put aside. Yeah. No, that all seems very familiar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, you with a family and, you know, we have other jobs. and Yeah, it's amazing there is a world beyond producing this podcast. I don't, some people find it hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I had people asking me during those months, well, when are you going to put out a, a new episode? You know, I'm really disappointed you haven't put one out. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to ask you who your favorite interviewee has been because... Obviously, you're going to give the diplomatic answer and say, oh, I don't have a favourite, have all been great. But um, I'll narrow it down to, to two slightly different questions then. Who was the most fun and who was the most informative? Hmm. 
As far as most fun, I laughed the most with Kamali Thompson. Right. Uh, She has such a joie de vivre. And I don't know how she accomplishes all the things that she does in a single day. And so I think with her, I had the most laughs. Right. Um, Damien also, uh, I had a lot of fun with him. And I laughed a lot with Pete Sazaki as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually did our interview with him being in London, so much like the setup that you and I have going oh, okay. on right now. <laughs> and then as far as most informative, truthfully, I can't pick just one because I think I know all these people. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm asking them questions and I'm digging deeper into their past or or what they you know, what their, their current uh, thoughts are about fencing, I just learned so much. And that's the feedback that I get from people, too, who have listened to these interviews. You know, they'll say, man, I've known this pe- this person for 40 years, and I didn't know X about them. Yeah. I think probably I, in- I learned the most from Keith Smart, mm-hmm. just because he did talk about his... Uh, his business physiclo yeah. with me. And so it was, it was informative. I, I didn't know much about his company. And so, and so that was, that was good to learn. Right. Yeah. I know I enjoyed yeah, certainly all the ones that you mentioned there have been, been great interviews. Uh, Keith, Keith laughed a lot as well. <laughs> thought, That's true. I thought, I thought, That's I thought true. he seemed he really good fun. <laughs> he, he always, um, I mean, I, I don't, I've never, really, I've never spoken to him. Uh, only ever seen offense. He, you know, he's always came across as this sort of um, terrifying physical creature. Um, so to hear hear somebody who is uh, quite prepared to poke fun at himself, uh, I, was, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. It, it presented a whole different side of him from from what I expected. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Brilliant. So, is there is there anyone that you would really like to get an interview with? Some of the national coaches, I think, would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, up up through now, it's been mostly people that I know mm-hmm. through either my contacts or I know them personally. And so they've indulged me. <laughs> um, I, I'd really like to, to get some people that are a little more, not off my radar because I know who they are, but I'm not personally acquainted with. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to be able to pick the brains of some of the national coaches like Zoran Tulum yeah. or uh, Bucky Leach uh, just to, I mean, they're, you know, they're the embodiment of coaching greatness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, agree. I I would definitely like to to hear their thoughts on things. Yeah, no, that's, that's some good choices there. Yeah, I hope you get them. Um, I think I hope so too. I think what I've I've been surprised with when I've approached people in interviews is how willing everybody is to be interviewed. Almost nobody said no to me. Um, I'm not I'm not naming the exceptions, but uh, I've been genuinely delighted by the re- the response that I get from people who um, I was nervous about approaching. So you're right. So don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'll take that advice to heart, I promise. Yeah, it's, it's simple advice, but it's the best that I can offer. Um, so what, what we're talking about, you know, now we've got two two podcasters here in, in this interview. Um, what kind of podcasts do you listen to yourself outside, well, outside our one, obviously? Well, of course I listen to yours. Well done. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, well, also just because I wanted to see your approach to our sport. And I think it's really interesting, uh, the commentary that you provide. Um, you know, it's it's like a real sports show. And I think that that's what our sport really needs. Oh, thanks so very I've much. Really, I've, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, and I really like the little interviews that y'all did in Paris. Yeah, just catching them there. It was um, two really nice guys as well. I'd spoken to Alex Marcellus a couple of times, just sort of, you know, hello, how are you doing um, before. So I knew he was a nice guy. But even the little short interview I did 
that I did with him in Paris was, was great. I really enjoyed speaking to him. And Enzo Lafour was a lovely guy as well. Enjoyed them. Well, it's like what we see right now in the Olympics, how you grab them, you know, whenever you can, and you get some little insight into them. So I thought that was good. Um, I'm listening also to Don Anthony's uh, podcast. Yep. He, he just interviewed the Hurley girls, and since they're from Texas and I live here, uh, that was interesting to me. Outside of our sport, although those are the only three that I know of for our sport, mm, yeah. I, I really like to listen to How I Built This. It's an uh, NPR yes. one with Guy Raz. Yep. And being a small business owner, it's really nice to know that I'm not the only one experiencing the same struggles. Yeah. And it's just fascinating to me how these multimillionaires or billionaires, you know, started off just like me. And it, it really helps. I don't know, just it, it helps to know that there's a whole community of us out there that, you know, get through the struggle and are able to produce something great on the other side of that struggle. Yeah, no, it's a, an inspiring choice. Any more? Um, I'm currently listening to the Olympic podcast because I'm obsessed with the Olympics. And I also listen to there's a Paula Poundstone one. Okay. Uh, she's really funny, and so I listen to, to that. Lots of uh, NPR podcasts, right. like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Pretty much anything that they put out is good quality yeah. and and very enjoyable. Right. right. And now, were you, were you an avid podcast listener before you started your own? Um, actually, not really. Um, I would kind of catch them from time to time, but would mostly just listen to the news, you know, to NPR live mm-hmm. uh, while I was in my car. But I find that I'm listening to podcasts now in a whole new way. Um, I'm trying to improve my own interviewing style. And so I, I listen to the questions that the interviewers ask. I'm not just listening to the answers anymore. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know if you do that. Um, I find it's a good source. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, I, I'd hardly listened to any podcast before we started our own one, which is probably pretty clear Um in our first few episodes, I, li- I listen to loads now, um, a whole, whole different variety of them. Yeah, I'm quite happy to steal ideas and uh, <laughs> think a little bit more carefully about what we do in our own podcast, uh, having listened yes. to uh, listen to more professional versions of, of that. Exactly. Yeah. So, so my last question, and we seem to have sped through this interview, but I've, I've learned loads of really interesting stuff. Was what, what next for the podcast? What do you have? What do you have coming up? What do we have to look forward to? Well, I recently interviewed Maureen Griffin, who fenced for Canada and now uh, is in charge of the Golden Gate Fencing Center in okay. San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm going to interview my husband. He's going to be my 20th uh, episode. Yeah, good, good landmark one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's see. I also interviewed Sam Cheris, who is a, a gentleman who's been involved in U.S. fencing for a long time. Right. And then I'm going to interview Gary Liu, the owner of Absolute Fencing, at Junior yep. Olympics this weekend. And we'll see after that. I've got a whole list of people that I'd like to contact. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I'll take you up on your advice and not be shy about it. Yeah, just pick <laughs> the biggest name you can think of and get in touch with them somehow and say, I want to interview. Well, Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, obviously, there's not a whole load of, of us podcasters talking about fencing, so... It's, it's been lovely to, to get one of the, the very few others out there and, uh, and to get your thoughts on what we do. Well, thank you so much again uh, for, for uh, asking me to do this. And I do need to thank one person in particular, my teammate and clubmate, Tony Esqueda, who edits everything for the podcast and who created all the music for the podcast. He makes it look and sound like I know what I'm doing. 
And really, it's all of the magical things that he does behind the scenes. Uh, he gets rid of all of the lengthy pauses, the coughs, the awkward ums, and makes the whole interview flow really smoothly. Like I said, he created the the music for it and the theme of the Saber Coach Kate podcast. And he just is a delightful guy, very enthusiastic from the beginning and throughout the whole maintenance of the show. And without him, the podcast wouldn't sound as great as it does. So I'd, I'd really like to thank him publicly for all of the work that he does. Please, you know, you guys do such a great job. So keep up what you're doing. And thank you for the attention that you're drawing to our sport. Oh, oh, absolute pleasure. That's very kind of you, Kate. Um, and, and the same to you. I look forward to, to many more episodes of uh, Saber Coach Kate. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's, uh, that was interesting. It was. I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, yeah, nice nice to speak to somebody who does something very similar to what we do in terms yeah. of producing a podcast about fencing, mm-hmm. a different format. And, and I've really enjoyed our, our series of interviews. Um, lots of characters that I, I previously hadn't heard of who... I made a you know a big impact in one way or another, uh, and I thought our motivation for doing the podcast was was yeah. really interesting. Sort of recording stories that otherwise would be be sort of lost to future generations or even current ones that were unaware yeah. of. And I, I thought it was a uh, a great motive. I mean, I don't know what our motive would be. I, I don't know if we, were, if we really had one. We just like talking about fencing. Yeah, it's so a, a bit interested. It's a bit more altruistic and uh, sort of community community based than we are. You know? sure it certainly sounds a lot more noble. Yeah, uh, but I really enjoyed speaking to her and. Uh, as I say, if you haven't if you haven't tracked down our podcast already, follow the link in our show notes, uh, or go to wherever you listen to your uh, listen to your podcasts mm-hmm. and uh, track down the Saber Coach Kate podcast. So a World Cup that we'd kind of missed out on because the weekend before we went to Paris mm-hmm. uh, was women's foil from Katowice in Poland. Yes, and caught up with that sort of quite a long time after the event. There's a few sort of headlines from it which I'd, I'd spotted. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of early departures mm-hmm. uh, from some of the big names, Volpe, Erigo and Tibu, all out in the last 64, which meant that it had a slightly, yeah, slightly unfamiliar look, I suppose, for the last eight from uh, from our point of view. Had Hong of Korea, who's had a couple of decent results this season, Leila Pirieva of Russia and Sarah Zuma of Japan, all making the, all making the last eight, uh, along with Harvey of Canada, mm-hmm. again, who's had a, a quieter time recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in the end, our our final four was Derglasova, Kiefer, uh, Camilla Mancini. Again, one of the sort of lesser known Italians. Mm-hmm. Again, had some had some decent results, but not not a superstar. And the first podium finish for for Anne Sawyer. But it came down to the the, the big two that were left in at that yeah. stage with Derglasova against Kiefer in the final. Mm-hmm. And I was really looking forward to that. Uh, so was I. So I specifically watched that particular fight. Yep, from Katowice, and it was mm, yeah, a bit one-sided. It was a rout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an absolute thumping. Yeah, uh, with Derlisova beating Lee Kiefer, podcast favourite, fifteen-four. Yep. Yeah, and, and absolutely. That was, and that was despite Kiefer going two nothing up at the start. Yeah, uh, she was just all over it, and hit with absolutely everything as well: tax, power post, counter attack, yep. stop hits. You name it, and she, we just couldn't she, find a. She just couldn't find a, a, an answer to. No, I mean whatever she did, whatever she tried, and she does have loads of variety in how mm-hmm. she can change things around to keep her opponent guessing. Derek Lozova always had the answer, so it was a really straightforward win in the end, which yeah. was 
Yeah, well, <laughs> it was a little bit disappointing. Yeah, we want we want more excitement than that. I think it's fair yeah. to say. And in the teams, uh, Russia won again. All um, right, their their second World Cup win of the season. So last season, Italy was totally dominant and won everything. Uh, Italy finished second this time. Uh, which is the, the second time that's happened this season. I think it was in Cancun that Russia won yeah. as well against yep. beat Italy in the final mm-hmm. uh, with France third and Germany fourth. So more encouraging signs for... Maybe for there's Germany. a German renaissance after all. Maybe. I think I've said that before though. Yeah, we keep, <laughs> uh, we keep looking for it. Cause, I, mean, yeah. I think we come from a generation where we expect Germany to be one of the dominant nations yeah. and it's not really happening at the no, moment. It's not, there's, no, it's not. There's signs that think all is not well in German fencing. But a fourth place finish... Uh, in Katowice for the women's foil list. Mm-hmm. That was that was pre-Paris. Yeah. And at the same time as we were <laughs> living the high life in Paris. Is that how you describe it? What? Be- no, be- business trip. Business That's trip. how I describe it to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the same time that was going on, there was uh, a Women's Epi World Cup happening in Havana in Cuba. Yes. And no live feed for that. Yes. And no footage that I could find yep. um, so- at all. I mean, I know we get grumpy quite often with countries and World Cups that they don't bother don't, don't provide a, a live feed I've almost got a little bit of sympathy for Cuba because <laughs> Cuba really is in most regards a third world country mm-hmm. so expecting them to come up with a you know a funky live stream for for the finals yeah probably is a bit of a stretch mm-hmm. right so let's have a look at the uh, the results for Havana then for this is this is so uh, for uh, women's epi and the the last eight comprises uh, Olga Kochneva of Russia uh, Kong of Hong Kong Hyain Lee of Korea, mm-hmm. Karda Multerer of Germany, uh, Coraline Vitalis of mm-hmm. France, Kang of Korea, right. Julia Ritzi of Italy, and uh, Sun Yuen of China. Okay. So, so there's quite a few people missing from the last date there. Uh, it's only a few familiar faces that you would think yeah. should be there that aren't. Yeah. So, you know, um, looks like uh, a few men went out in the uh, last 16 uh, so did uh, Kravitska. Yeah, and that's basically it. There's quite a few people missing, but it looks of things I can't see any uh, Shashkovich or anyone like that. Okay. So anyway, um, so that's our, our, our quarter-final lineup, mm-hmm. uh, and it looks like uh, Kong beat Kochi- uh, Kochneva. Right. Lee beat Motera. Vitalis beat Kang, which is a bit of a surprise, I think, because Kang's quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Yiwen Sun uh, beat Ritzi 12-11. So I was gonna I was gonna ask if it was a loose scoring thriller. And it sounds <laughs> like it was. We're not supposed to be grumpy about this. It was a high high intensity tactical match. It was an, an innocuous question on my part. <laughs> yeah. So we move into the semi finals, and again we can only really go by the scores in this one. Uh so in the first semi final we've got Kong versus Lee. And it looks like it went quite close because it finished fifteen fourteen. Okay. And in the other one, this is maybe slightly more surprising, uh Vitalis edges out uh, Sun Yuen uh, fifteen fourteen. Uh, okay, so it went, so it went right the way close, to, close in both close okay. in both we're just gonna I'm gonna assume that it was close in both but our, our winner so our final uh, our final there is Lee from Korea versus Vitalis of France and Vitalis wins it 15-12 good win I yeah. suspect that might be a first World Cup win for, for Vitalis I think so I'm not even particularly familiar with her yeah I mean she is one of the lower ranked yeah, she's French wins it. Not even a regular, is yeah. regular in the team. I'm not even sure she is. I don't think she's in the team at all. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm sort of scratching my head, thinking she's not one of the regulars at the top end. So, yeah. so big result. Yeah, yeah, big result. Mm. So no live feed for that one. So we can't really offer much comment other than see. See, here's here's who won what. Yeah. But um, yeah, well done, Coraline Vitalis. Yeah, well done. So now onto the. Uh, that's, that makes it a disappointing thing though that there wasn't a live feed because that's now 
two of the Women's Epi World Cups where there's been no live feed, because the one in China in oh, right, Suzu yeah. had, was had like no that. live feed as well. And, and usually when there's no live feed, you get interesting results of that, and you've got no idea what happened. You yeah. can only guess. Like, I'm saying, you know, uh, Coraline Vitalis edged that one out, but, you know, I would have put Sun in to win that one. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to know exactly what happened, yeah. but I'll never know. How it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Frustrating, isn't it? We should do this full time, Gavin. Just go to everything. Yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to be my uh, fencing daddy uh, and pay for me to go to tournaments of the world, I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. Check on the strings that are attached, Gav, before you volunteer. For <laughs> yeah, I'll do. Yeah, I will do. Because we don't have very, very much comment for Ivana. I suppose we should just move on to the big beast, uh, Heidenheim. Big's the word. Yeah. Big is the word. How many fences was it? Three hundred and sixteen, I think. Oh, it's a lot of a lot of epics. That is a lot of epics. And they get and you know, it doesn't run on British tournament time, so they got through it. Yeah, of course. You know. German efficiency. German efficiency, yeah. Uh so if we look at the actual sort of uh uh the results itself, and uh, none of our sort of, there's a few sort of our of our usual suspects like Burrell who don't didn't make it into the last eight. Right. A couple of the Koreans didn't make it and there was a Korean matchup in the last 16. Ah, okay. Uh, it was Park right. versus the other Park, I think. I'll have to double check that. And Sangyong Park uh, edged them out. Uh, so anyway, our last day uh, comprises uh, Minobi uh, versus Sangyong Park. Right. And Minobi won that one, 15-11. But a Japanese Korean Korea. matchup, that must have been happy. It's quite good. I've watched it. It's quite a good fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite handy. They don't ha- there's not, none of that hanging around nonsense going on. Good. Uh, so the Koreans have got that out of their system now or they only save it for special <laughs> occasions like think, big finals when they're fencing their teammates yeah for money but it's, yeah it's, yeah, with a big crowd yeah then we have uh, this is another this is another interest I remember watching this one at the time uh, in, in the second uh, last day we had Anokin versus Na of Korea of Korea okay so Na's not a name that I am familiar with and at the time I no, thought he was a, a junior maybe that they, right. just, they just chucked in but no he's 25 Oh, right, okay. Uh, he's quite lowly ranked. He's uh, 47, something like that, 45, 47, something like that, in that sort of range. So he had a bit of a blinder of a day. Okay, so Epi ran in the strikes and... Uh, yeah, yeah. A and Korean you've never heard of. Yeah, yeah. Makes it through to one last, of the One of the bucket day. of Korean, uh, yeah. Korean Epius. And I remember he's quite a, he's quite a tall pommeler. Right. So he's, he's kind of like the Jensen Jung sort of end of, the, end of the spectrum. Okay. And in the third last eight, we had uh, our man Fichera mm-hmm. versus your man Bogdan Nikishin. I wouldn't go so far as to say Nikishin was my man, but I, 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 he does make exciting things happen sometimes. Really? Because he only beat uh, Fichera 3-1. Oh dear. And I actually tried to watch this. It's terrible. <laughs> you tried to watch it, but just couldn't. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, it does sound that uh, It's total terrible. passivity. It just goes straight to the final minute. Oof. And then Fichera bottles it at one point. Nikishin gets one point and that's it. It's all over for Fichera. He just can't hit with Nikishin. Nikishin's too smart for that. Yeah. He just can't hit him at that point. Whereas I think I'm going to see this again in another in another one. I think it's, it's a sort of an op- it's a it's a high stakes game if you're going to go down that route mm-hmm. because that last minute at that level is quite hard to pull back if you if you go behind. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, and if your other fences of a of a good, is a good quality, you're going to struggle. And Fichera with his intense, he didn't seem to be doing his intense fencing. It wasn't it wasn't in the kitchen's face. I, I think I must have must have chosen just to see right. Don't go anywhere near me. Just hit you. Right. Come back a bit and we'll see if we can figure it out. But Do it, it didn't minute, work for yeah. it. No. Yeah, that's that's it's disappointing on it, it was quite a number of counts. And then uh, in, the, in the last one, is another slightly surprising one. We had uh, Chimini versus uh, Quion of Korea. Okay, well, yeah, not totally surprising. Well, uh, Chimini, he's, uh, I don't know if that's pronounce it, Chimini, Chimini. Uh, he's, I would have thought that Quion would have, would have won that one, but he didn't. 
So oh, okay. Ten. Well, so, all right, that's, that is surprising. I yeah. take that back. Sorry, I thought you meant yeah. the matchup. Yeah, not because the last eight was surprising. Yeah, do you mean he's made the last eights before? Mm, pass. Exactly. I don't think he has. So it's a good, good day for him anyway. Yeah. Anyway, he slips past uh, Kuan and we get into the semi-finals and our matchups are, are looking quite interesting because you've got, uh, in, the f- in the first final, semi-final, I should say, you've got Minobi versus Anokin. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. Well, Anokin's he's slow and steady and gets the job done, I think. Uh-huh. You know, that's how I would describe him. But uh, Minobi was just all over him. Right. Uh, and he just didn't have any answer. So it's, it's actually, it's, 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 it's the worst of the two semis because uh, Anokin, slow and steady, tries to hit him, just can't hit him. So Minobi just keeps hitting and knock in. Oh, right. Just get it over and done with, kind of thing. But you're a big Minobi fan, so I thought you would be quite happy with that as a result. Oh, I'm happy with it as a result. But not, you're not, not as a spectacle. Yeah, not as a spectacle, no. Right. Fair enough. And another, another side we have, uh, obviously, Nikishin versus Jimini. And Jimini is not obviously used to this kind of end of the tournament, I think. Right. And Nikishin's just all over him. So if you watch that one, it's just nothing nothing that Jimini can do can just actually get the job done. And uh, Nikishin edged him out 15 8. Uh, I see Edge and kicked his ass. Yeah, <laughs> that's the yeah, interesting version of Edged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same. Well, two very one-sided semi-finals, which yeah, which is not not necessarily the most exciting. Yeah, uh, and then but the actual final was a, a stutter. Yeah, yeah, I must admit I didn't watch a whole load of Heidenheim because now what was I watching instead? Oh, I was watching uh, Women's Saber from Baltimore, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute. Mm. Um, so I only actually really caught the final. All oh, right, um, okay. Whereas I think I watched loads of it on the day. Oh, it's a while ago now, but uh, I did watch loads of it on the day. It was quite quite a good tournament, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, but Minobi, obviously, he's fast, he's agile, he's a pommeler. You've got Nikishin, who is quite a smart fencer, knows how to collect the blade. So it was quite a good matchup, and mm. it was quite a good kind of, uh, just quite a good sort of a, a meeting of minds, I think, on that one. Yeah, and, so and contrasting styles, they probably bought out the best in both of them as well. Yeah, because they both of them had to work and the, the the lead swapped a couple of times throughout the actual match. It was really close. It wasn't yeah. didn't wasn't until right at the end where Minobi finally got got his act together and actually finally managed to to put Nikishin in the box. Yeah. And it was fifteen thirteen at the end. But it's a cracking fight and I would really recommend everybody sits down and watches that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I would uh, you know we well, even even in this one we've been critical of a few scoring less than thrilling matches, you know, one-sided semi-finals, yeah. but a really, really good final to finish all off. Oh, it was, it was excellent. Thoroughly recommended. Um, so we've got, our, uh, we had a team event at Heidenheim as well. And obviously because there were so many fences, there was actually quite a large number of teams. Uh, 31 teams. Yeah, that's a big, big entry. That's for a big, big tournament. Team events. Lots and lots and lots of stuff to, to get through. And the, I mean, how far back will how far back will go for this for the team? Uh, I don't know. Semi-finals. Semi-finals. Okay, okay. So, team semi-finals from Heidenheim, uh, Korea against Switzerland, and Russia against France. With uh, Korea emerging victorious, forty-five uh, thirty-three against mm-hmm. the Swiss, uh, and France beating Russia a similarly comfortable margin of forty-five thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ten. Ten hit gap or more in in a team match is a it's usually it's usually a good sign of comfortable win comfortable win on that one yeah mm-hmm. after me I've not watched all of the team matches there's quite a lot to get through yeah uh, but I definitely watched the final of this one and that's obviously France versus Korea mm. and yeah. it's a, it's a cracker it's another one it's another really good one yeah and that's even though there's passivity in it there's I think it's almost acceptable to have a little bit of it in in team matches yeah as long as it's not every fight 
Exactly. And the difference here was that the fencers, the fencers were actually contesting the points, were actually fighting it out. Right. And it would reach a point where one, one fencer just knew that they would beat the other fencer, would be quite happy with it, and they would just sort of have yeah. a gentleman's agreement to move it on a little bit. Yeah, so uh, not, not just bouncing about for 30 seconds, yeah. right, we'll call it a day at that. Yeah, and, none of that. And I, so I was quite happy, actually. This is one of the few times I'm going to say that passivity was actually acceptable. Okay. Uh, but it was quite an interesting fight because the France got a, a few points uh, ahead, actually. They were five down going into uh, the Korea. They had a five-point lead, sorry, going over Korea going into the fifth leg. Uh, oh, okay. Now, usually if you get a lead of that sort of size at halfway yeah, in it's hard. team match, you should be able to, to clinch it from there. Mm-hmm. But Park in the next leg, in the sixth leg, uh, he pulled it back to within one point. Ah, okay. So uh, a, but it finished, it finished under the score, though. Uh, it finished 18-17. So, so remember the the, the action. This oh, is right, actually okay. another. This is another thing which is a little bit unusual for me to be saying the praise of it because it wasn't until about the round about the middle. It wasn't a particularly high scoring match, uh-huh. but there was lots going on. Yeah. So it was quite happy to you know I'd be quite happy to sit and watch that. You know, there's quite lots of good uh, technical stuff going on. I was a little bit surprised that the French uh, played uh, Bia Biani. I don't know if that's oh, yes, yeah, yeah, Bia Biani. Uh, yeah, over uh, one of the other. What's his name? Yeah, Jérôme. Yes, uh, so I don't know what, he must have gone home or something like that. Mm, I don't know. It's yeah, no choice because he's a, a stalwart of the French team. It's exactly. nice to see him. him I mean, not featuring the, the other two was he could have been injured or something. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but obviously the other two were uh, Burrell and uh, Guston. Mm. So you know, it was, a, it was a solid French team anyway. Yeah. Apart from that, but Biabini was uh, he was actually he was quite good in the team. He was you know he was holding his own. He wasn't the one that the the Koreans were looking to get all their points off. Yeah. The, the the score just sort of it just it, it doesn't swap back again it doesn't swap at all until the very last leg where uh, it was actually Jung that was their their anchor They're closer, for the Koreans right, yeah. he's the closing it out for them against Burrell oh okay yeah and it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a cracker yeah uh, because Jung manages to even even out and at this point the, the score is starting to tick up tick mm. up tick up tick up tick up and he was using his reach and his timing to keep uh, keep Burrell out of the game. But I just didn't have an answer. But I was a big guy. Yeah, yeah. It it's was, not it easy a, to do. You would have thought. Yeah. Uh, so, so John was hitting him with a really nice kind of uh, over the top stop hits, uh, toe hits, all, all all the stuff you'd expect from someone like him. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was quality. That sounds good. Actually, I mean, awesome. I didn't watch it, so yeah. On that recommendation, I will I will go back and, and yeah. catch up on that one. Definitely, so. definitely catch up on. As I say, it's not a high scoring one until right at the very end, mm-hmm. but it's still there's plenty happening. It's quite exciting. Still entertaining on the way. Yeah. And, a fine finish from mm-hmm. from the Koreans. To, yeah. yeah, another Korean All Star win. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. Well, they are they are the guys. I think. Stuff. Must admit, I've kind of got out of the habit of watching Epi so much uh, because I've started watching a lot more Saber, right. and there's only a finite amount of time. Yeah, and I know that you'll be watching, so I don't kind of have to. But I do feel <laughs> occasionally that I should I should catch up with a bit more when you describe stuff like that. It makes me think oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, it's a really good one. It is a really really good one, and. As I say, it's unusual because even with the passivity, even with the fact that it's not particularly high scoring until right at the end, mm-hmm. uh, it was still quality. It's still, still good, good to watch, still exciting. Everyone was up for it all the time. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Only slight worry, of course, is that I end up watching something like a 3-1 win with loads of non-competitivity and it's terrible. Uh, well, I, I can recommend It's a gamble, it. isn't it? That's yeah. why I wait for your recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> you can always check it for Chera. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how you managed, the, managed that one, but anyway, never mind who knows not something to be encouraged though yeah no no so a good a good weekend from Heidenheim then it was great yeah excellent okay so on some women's saber in Baltimore mm-hmm. and lots of early departures in this one Carlan, Marton and 
Bruni all out in the last 64. Gregorio, Berdier and Igorian all out in the 16. So, and no Ariana Rico. She put an announcement on social media just before Baltimore to say that uh, she had stuff that she needed to sort out and wouldn't be going to Baltimore and the the next women's foil one that we talk about as well so it's missing from a couple of events which, well uh, maybe it's an injury then or something hard to say she didn't give a whole load of clues right. but it's one of those ones where you felt oh I really want to know but yeah. maybe I actually just shouldn't know mm. so so no no Arigo watch for, for this women's saber oh. event uh, but it it did give a slightly unfamiliar look to to some of the quarterfinals with um, some of the, the stars bowing out early uh, so, out in the last eight, we had Dagmara Vosinek of the USA, Joy of Korea, Olga Nikitina of Russia, and Alina Komashtuk of Ukraine. I'm not right. sure I handled the pronunciation of that at all well. It uh, wasn't a, f- a familiar name to no, me. No, no. So, I'm, I'm less fluent with ones like that. So, our, our semi-finals, our semi-finalists, two Frenchies getting knocked out. Uh, Charlotte Limbach, who from the ones that were, were left at that stage was probably been the favourite I would have thought as a previous World Cup winner and mm-hmm. uh, well up the rankings the the other French woman wasn't a name that I was familiar with at all was um, Sarah Nucha yes uh, who um, had pass, a yeah pass I, yeah. I, I noticed that name too um, but it left our final with um, Martina Crisio of Italy mm-hmm. who, who these days probably really viewed as third of the Italian women's sabers against Misaki Amura of Japan mm-hmm. um who we commented on as one of the, the three Japanese women's sabers that made yeah. the, the last eight of the World Championships and certainly exciting times for mm-hmm. uh, Japanese women's sabers. She's quite young as well, is she not? I, mean, I think that's right, yeah. Um, or early 20s, certainly. I think, yeah, maybe just, just out of juniors. Mm-hmm. Wasn't a brilliant final, to be honest. A lot of a lot of action in the middle of the piece uh, doesn't have that sort yeah. of fluency and I watch this too, so. in, end-to-end stuff that, that we enjoy for some of the, the more... I don't know, playful, I think it's probably the yeah. the best description of women's women's surprise, which is, is largely what I I enjoy. So you know, a lot of simultaneous um a lot of hits split on errors in the preparation, yeah. um short sharp parry reposts, um and really the best hit of the final uh, was the very final hit itself, which uh, had a lot more a lot of movement. So persevere right to the very end if you're if you're gonna go back and watch mm-hmm. uh, the latter stages. Okay. Um, of of Baltimore. Uh, but I win for Mar- Martina Crisio, which uh, no doubt made her very happy. I was asking if she's won something. Has she ever won something? Um, because I'm a relatively novice women's sabre watcher, mm-hmm. um, this is really only my second season of doing it with oh, any, okay. any sort of real <laughs> real vigour and enthusiasm. Um, she's not won anything in that time, I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, and as I say, uh, these days she would largely be viewed as the, the third third-ranked Italian women's mm-hmm. sabre. So, right. yeah, big big day for her and a, and a very good result for Amura as well. Not a good day for for most of the big names. Yeah, I mean, Berta went out quite early as well, didn't you know? Yeah, it was last, last 16, so yeah. she was defending champion from yeah. from last year. Yeah, it was a, an, an, an unremarkable yeah. okay. um, <laughs> World Cup was probably how I would, I would put it. How did you like the setting? Conference centre, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it looked a bit strange though because they had these I have watched a bit of it and they had these boards up mm-hmm. but then you could see over the top of the boards and they had this sort of like weird this is always a weird the weird details that always, that always get my attention you know <laughs> then you had these sort of weird concrete car park lights in the ceiling and then you could see it, it, was, it was I just thought it was a very strange looking venue I would have yeah. found a way to hang some curtains on it just to hide the awfulness that was going on behind it yeah and there's 
I do remember having a glimpse of quite a few terrible carpets. Yeah, conference center carpet. Yeah, they've got uh, the brown and the sort of like brown and beige carpets. Yeah, with patterns on them. Oh, yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't look right at home, but uh, yeah. I mean, the the World Cups and Grand Prix that USA host, they all seem to to move around. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, the, the men's foil one that's been running as a, oh sorry, the, the foil one that's been running as a Grand Prix for the last few years, never never in the same venue twice. Always in the West Coast. Uh-huh. But never in the same place. Yeah. And later on this year, it's again somewhere else new. And uh, mm. the women's sabre won in Baltimore this year. It was New York last oh, so year. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I did wonder why it was in Baltimore because it's a not the first city in America you'd think about visiting to go into a fencing tournament. Uh, Baltimore. I, I don't want to just Baltimore as a as a terrible place. I've no I've no strong not feelings saying, just, or information, but just. It's not, it's not the yeah. first why? city. In, yeah, why? Why Baltimore? Yeah. Anyway, maybe, maybe somebody can, can tell us why Baltimore. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Um, and the team event, uh, the French one, and the surprise here was um, China finishing second. All I right. really don't think of China as being a strong women's saber nation at all. But um, again, a thoroughly good day for them. Big surprising result with uh, Korea third and Hungary four. All right. So yeah, USA... Still not quite getting it together. Went out in the last eight, I think it was. Mm. I, th- I don't think I need to say any more that I'm still surprised by that. You, they were so dominant for so long, you just kind of assumed they were going to be still be dominant. But it doesn't you, happen. Doesn't last forever. No, it doesn't, does it? You, gotta, you no. know, keep with it. And yeah, it still feels like a team that's trying to get its feet. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps waiting for a, a returning superstar. It's just not quite there at the moment. Maybe they need to throw in some of the juniors and see if they can, you know, muck things up a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, you've got to remember for. A lot of a lot of teams in in virtually all the weapons, they are to some degree using this time to to test out mm. what they've got with an eye on on the Olympics. Yeah, because there's not there's not a huge number of, of team events. You know, the five World Cups, your zonal championships, which depending on which zone you're in, may or may not be terribly informative in the World Championships. Yeah. So if you want to actually find a team that works, with a big goal being the Olympics, mm-hmm. you're going to get you're going to get spells where teams aren't working, people are missing, you're trying to get the order right, and yeah, perhaps that's what's happening with the USA team at the moment. Hmm. But okay. anyway, anyway, so that was that was teams from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, yeah, an okay, an okay World Cup. A few, surprisings, a few surprises in there. I'm sure by the end of the season, I'll not particularly remember it. It didn't, didn't oh, strike yeah. me as, a, as one that I came away with saying, that was great. That was great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair it enough. It wasn't tippy. So my... My enthusiasm for women's saber isn't universal. Oh, <laughs> yeah, not terrible, but not great either. And the next one, more saber, men's saber. This mm-hmm. time from Padua, yes, in Italy. And could I find any footage of this? No, no, nothing. I'd look. I couldn't see anything. I'm fairly sure there was a live feed at the time, which I didn't watch because I thought that's okay. I'll, I can catch up with all of that later. That'll be fine. Mm. And I know there's no and I can't. And I'm sure we've had this issue with. An Italian World Cup recently as well. It was a men's epi one, where there was definitely a live stream at the time, and we all said, "That's oh, fine, we'll watch it later." Well, yeah, and there was nothing. And then you couldn't. It, yeah, and you couldn't. So yeah. that's that's a poor show from from Italy, from Ferrisherma. Yeah, Ferrisherma, we're, we're waggling our, our fingers at you right now. I'm giving it a, a very severe tut tut. This yeah. isn't good enough. Yeah, and it's a shame because it looks like it. It was probably a, an absolutely tremendous, tremendous event. 
eventual winner was Eli Dershowitz for the USA. All right. Won his second World Cup of the season, mm-hmm. um, beating Aaron Shalagi in the, in the final. Also on the podium, Luca Curatoli of Italy and world champion Andras Satmari of All right. Hungary. Uh, with the last eight, including uh, the Koreans Gubon Gil and Usanguk, mm-hmm. uh, Jagodka of uh, Ukraine, and Rushetnikov of Russia, who have become a bit of a fan of. I really like his fencing as well. As someone who's you know, kind of not not quite a superstar, but yeah, yeah has got a, got a style that I like. A few early departures: Kim Young Wan and Vincent Anstead out in the thirty-two. But yeah, it was a yeah, a star-studded later stages. Yeah, I couldn't see any of it. <laughs> uh, sort of really big. Result that I, I spotted though was now where was it? Deshvitz beaten Goo in the last eight. Really, fifteen four. Ooh, fifteen four. Now I, you'd like to watch that, wouldn't you? I struggled to envisage how, yeah, how that could, how anybody can beat Goo fifteen four. Yeah, because he's so relentless. So I would love to be able to see that. Yeah, and a tense final um, between Deshvitz and and Shalagi fifteen twelve. And again, Shalagi's another fencer that I really enjoy yeah. watching. Dershowitz got lots of variety as well, and he's clearly in great form with the second World Cup win of the season. You know, loads and loads of good stuff. Where's the video? Oh, well. Yeah, frustrating. Uh, so despite a slightly disappointing day in the individual from uh, the Koreans, kind of team events, Korean Final stars are yeah. back on form to take the win. Uh, Italy taking second, uh, and Hungary the bronze. Mm, okay. So with, well, only three World Cups... And one Grand Prix so far. We've only had two winners, Dershowitz or O. Oh, really? I haven't really had my hand twigged that. Yeah. Dershowitz is something we should definitely be keeping an eye on then. Yeah, he won He won the first World Cup of the season in Algiers, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think possibly his first World Cup win. Okay. Uh, I think he'd gone, gone close last season. He was second at something. Second, I can't remember which one it was, yeah. to be honest. Um, but yeah, two wins out of four for, for him. And oh, at the start of this season. Mm. So easy to pick your four horses and men's sabre at the moment. Yeah. So anyway, how did it actually look? Who knows? I bet it was beautiful. We'll have to guess. Padre were meant to be really lovely. Anyway. Oh, please, don't rub it in, Gav. <laughs> don't rub it in. So time for some women's foil. Right. Um, as I said, no Ariana Irigo for the trip to Algiers. Uh, and no Lee Kiefer either. Really? No. Those, those two missing. So, yeah. Two of our favourites. Mm-hmm. So who's yeah. left then? Well, in the end, we had Derek Lozova and Volpe are yeah. probably the two big names then mm-hmm. um, that are that are present. Opposite halves of the draw, so come come semi final time, uh, we had Erica Spressa. All right, facing up against Derek Lozova, and I hadn't watched a whole lot of uh, Spressa fencing for, before, and it's a, a kind of manic, frantic scrapping, fighting sort of a style. Right. Moves around nice and relaxed, but when she goes for attacks, it's super, super fast. It's tip, 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 lunge. All right. And then throws in a remise or a double. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she's defending, there's a, a lot of swiping the blade around. And it's it looks really scrappy. Mm-hmm. But Derek Lozova just couldn't get the hang of it. Couldn't couldn't work it away through. Couldn't get out of the way mm-hmm. often enough. I mean, hit it with a few nice parry repos and the occasional stop hit as she, yeah. she sort of... Um, Held into her preparation too long, uh, but largely that that mixture of super aggressive attack remise. No, she's related to the coach. Have you not? Yes, she is. she is. Andrea right, okay. yeah. yeah, the Italian men's foil coach. Yeah. Yes, his his daughter. Okay, 
Uh, so, yeah, great great result for her beating the world number one Olympic yeah. champion, world champion, uh, fairly comfortably, 15-10. It wasn't even a, a nail-biter. Yeah, that's interesting because obviously the, the Glazova looked so dominant against Lee Kiefer. Yeah. We mentioned that. Uh, I wouldn't kind of expected that. Maybe the Italians just did their homework. and came up with a game plan. This is what you're going to do. I mean, yes, it certainly worked. It certainly worked there. Mm. But yeah, you could also say that also say that I mean, Lee Kiefer, a slightly more controlled version of that, though in some ways, very aggressive on the attack. Yeah, aggressive on attack. Um, able to mix it up. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So it's not an obvious one to to go for. Yeah. But um, yeah, worked worked a treat. And as I say, it did look like one of those ones where Derek Lozova couldn't, couldn't quite work out a, a solution to a, a sort of maths problem or something. Yeah. Okay. So it was a, a bit of an odd one. And in the other semi final, Volpi edged out uh, Hanna Lisbinska of Poland. Uh, not a name I'm hugely familiar with. I mean, That's, I'm no. pretty sure that she's a fairly regular member of the Polish team, but not not a regular visitor to the semi finals of mm. World Cups. And it was 15 14. A uh, good hit to finish it with. But um, yeah, it could have gone either way right up to that point. Really? Mm, okay. Yeah, despite Volpi having a, a lead in the earlier part of the fight. You know, not massive, three or four hits perhaps, but just, just couldn't pull away. But finally, finally got the job done. So two good and interesting semi-finals. The final itself, uh, much more one-sided. Presumably, uh, Alicia Volpi is much more familiar with yeah. fencing to press uh, Italian training camps. Yeah. And what was the score? Oh, very comfortable. 15, what was it? 15-6, I think it was. Ooh. Yeah, so an easy win in the end. Yeah. Um, but please for Lisa Volpe, because you know, I commented earlier on that second at the World Championships, second at the first few yeah. World Cups and Grand Prix, um, or actually a bit of a disaster at the, the World Cup in Poland, but um, good to see her getting a win. So yeah, finally. I was, I was mm. plus, we, plus, we saw her, she was in Paris as well for the, That's the a lot of World Cup. That's right. She was, yeah. she yeah. was sitting in the crowd. Yeah, there. Yeah. Cheering on our man, Daniel Garotso. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, so pleased, pleased to see Volpe taking a win. Because mm-hmm. um, she seems nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what I base that on. She just does. Yeah, I've had a couple of messages of her on Instagram and she's uh, she's quite nice. Ah, you're in touch with the stars. Uh, well, uh, she wanted to use a couple of my pictures. Ah, right. So. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, but she was nice about it. So Good. Uh, so in the team event, uh, Rush take the win again. All right. So I think that makes that their third win of the season. Mm-hmm, something like that. Out of four. Mm-hmm. With France taking second place, USA taking third. And again, remember, that's a USA team with no Lee Kiefer. Yeah. And Italy down in fourth. Ooh, interesting. France so, second as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in the semi-finals, uh, it was France that put out Italy. Right. 45-38. And Russia only just edged out USA, 45-44. So... Well, I would say France beating Italy is a surprise, generally. Yeah. And USA beating Russia with without having Lee Kiefer in their, their line-up mm-hmm. would, be, would be a big shock. So that's a really strong result for yeah. what would, on paper, seem to be an understrength USA team. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it certainly was. And the final, uh, fairly straightforward in the end, uh, mm. Russia disposing of France, right. uh, 42-32. Ooh. Yeah. Is it worth checking out? Um... Um, it depends how much spare time you have in your oh, hand. Okay, fair enough. If you have a lot of spare time in your hands, mm. go for it. If you don't, yeah, maybe you wouldn't bother. Okay. So what's next? <clears throat> well, that takes us, finally, finally we're up to this weekend. Oh, right, okay. So we've got uh, Bonn. Yep, men's from Bonn. Mm-hmm. And, and women's epi from Barcelona. Yeah. So what will we start with? Should we go Bonn? Or do you want to fin- do you want to finish with Barcelona? I don't know. What, what do you think? Uh, okay, let's go for Bonn. 
Okay. Well, this this was high seat carnage. It was almost almost from the word go. Grotsu Cruz for Coney's, Erebchenko, Lepeshu, Avila, Chung, and Miles Chanley Watson all out in the last 64. Yep. Uh, the four, uh, Sato out in the 32. Safin, Imboden, Kassara, Jopic, Meinhardt all out in the last 16. Yeah, quality. So who did we have left? Hardly anybody at all, actually. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> no, amazingly, uh, despite all of those uh, big names going out, um, we, did, we did actually have eight fencers left in right, the last okay. eight. Is this a men's force learning a lesson from men's epi there? It, there was a hint of that, but yeah, let me... Okay, so one's, one's eliminated in the last eight. Ha of Korea. All right, yes, uh-huh. Tegu Ha, quality fencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nisa of Italy. All right, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Occasional yeah. last eight. Oh, it's not really up and coming anymore, but he's, he's always the extra man in the Italian team. He's the one on the fringe. So if one of the top four gets injured... Did they bring him in? Nisa's the man that yeah. they bring in. But he's, he's never quite made that breakthrough as an okay. individual or done enough quite to uh-huh. secure a place in the Italian team but he does produce last eights yeah. usually a couple of times a season mm-hmm. and and here was another one young Polish fencer uh, Rakowski I think that would be a first a first last eight for him mm-hmm. really exciting fencer to watch yeah. um, and uh, a, a bright prospect and an encouraging sign for, for Polish mm-hmm. Polish men's foil and Marcus Mipstead and yes. I think making I think this is his first I'm last eight as a senior eight. World Cup or and, Grand Prix. Uh, Sean, who did he beat again? Just remind me. Sorry? Who did he beat to get into the last eight? He beat Kasser in the last 16. Yes. Yeah. Fenced. Immense. Yeah. And uh, really pleased for Marcus. I, I chatted to him in Paris. He's now training in, in New York at Brooklyn Bridge Fencing Club. Oh, really? With, with Dan Kellner. Uh-huh. And, and Marcus was saying... Uh, really enjoying working there. Can definitely feel big progress, and he was, you know, he felt the result was kind of just round the corner. And that's he didn't have a great, a great weekend in Paris. And the individual mm-hmm. looked really good in the team event there. Yep. And then produces this this big result. So really pleased for him, and uh, I'm really pleased for Dan Keller as well. You know, uh, previous interviewee on, yeah. on the podcast, <laughs> and a, a, a thoroughly good guy. So um, yeah, well done to well done to both of them, yeah. and hopefully more to come. So on to the semi-finals. Few surprises there. The young Italian, Bianchi. Yes. Cado, Jeremy Cado, mm-hmm. who looked like he may become a superstar at one point, maybe a couple of years ago, three yeah, years that's ago. Yeah, right. He looked amazing, and then all of a sudden, yeah. does that happen for him? Yeah. Hasn't, you know, he's kind of kind of tapered off. Bianchi up against former world champion, Alexei Cheremisinov, mm-hmm. who I'm pretty sure has not been on a podium since he became world champion. And, <laughs> and, sure? and in Paris, he wasn't even in the Russian team. Oh, that's right. And he yeah. was. That's right. Yeah. He was kind of loafing around, looking, uh, looking grumpy. Yes, yeah, yeah. like, as he always does. Yeah. And he basically just too much smarts for for Bianchi. Yeah. I, usual, I mean, it's not beautiful fencing. Nobody's going to go. I want to fence like Jeremy Snuff. No, because that is that is a, a joyful thing. It's not. Yeah. But all the bits of it were working. Yeah. Uh, he has become a sort of slight parody of a, fit, a felt of himself at times recently, with lots of counter attacks. Lots of remises, mm-hmm. but the reason that those in the past have worked is because he had an amazing cart repost, and he had that again this weekend. So if you stick your blade up the middle, you got hit with the cart repost. Yeah. So you take it away, try to give yourself a little bit more more time and space, mm-hmm. and then he hits you with the remise right, or okay. the double or the counter attack. So that's what made it, it was, was a good fight. That's what made all those bits work. And Bianchi, and that was all working again this weekend. Yeah, Bianchi did look outclassed. And remember I said, he is seriously strange to look at. 
his hand. Oh, you, all, you had objection to his sort of hand position and his, his legs, all legs. It's, At one yeah. point, he got on. He got on guard, and I swear, he's on guard was about three meters wide. <laughs> all legs like harvest a spider. Well, he's still a kind of gangly youth. He's he's still a junior, right? So maybe he'll you know yeah, he'll, he'll fill out a bit. He'll fill out and and, and grow into his ridiculously like, strange on guard. I just, I, anyway, I couldn't be doing with it. I was quite happy with Jeremy. <laughs> Okay, and uh, Massey Alice made fairly short work of uh, of Cadu. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fifteen eleven, I think it was. In yeah, the, in the other semi final. So a Chairman Snuff Massey Alice final. Mm-hmm. Now, I would have almost staked my house on Massey Alice winning this. Yeah, me too. And it was pretty level up to about halfway, maybe six all, seven yeah. all, and then Chairman Snuff just goes absolutely bonkers and scores about. Yeah, it must have been about six or seven hits in a row. Yeah, and then Alex, I think it was a, it must have been about twelve six. And goes that was the time yeah. that Alex finally said, "I think I'm going to change my foil. I need to do something. <laughs> I need to do something." Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was a fight that just totally got away from, yeah. away from him. And uh, in the end, Jeremy Snuff uh, finishes it off pretty comfortably. Yeah, and yeah, an amazing win. I mean, if you'd asked me to to pick twenty potential winners before the beginning of the weekend. Chairman wouldn't have been in the list. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have made the list. Not even close to it, actually. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it was like some amazing blast from the past with uh, Jeremy Snuff taking the win in Bonn. Just bizarre. It was a good tournament. I, mean, I, I quite enjoyed what I, what I saw of it. Uh-huh. No, yeah. I, I watched quite a lot of this. But yeah, as soon as the as soon as the high seeds start falling, especially in that kind of numbers in yeah. the last sixty four, anyone who gets through that first stage, you almost feel feel has a chance. And yeah. Alexi was the man that. Uh, Took advantage because he had, he had a couple of close wins. Uh, he beat uh, Jean Paul Tony Hellisi in the last 64, 15 14. Uh, he beat Garrett Meinhardt 15 14 in the last mm-hmm. 16. But come quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals, really comfortable. Nobody got double figures on him. So I wonder if, I wonder if we're going to see more of him then over the course of the year then. Well, he was back in the Russian team for the team event on on the Sunday, again doing the, doing yeah. the anchor job. Uh, kind of mixed results. They probably. Probably should really have beaten France for for third place. He had mm-hmm. quite a he actually built up quite a big lead um, in the final the final leg against Urban Le Pichu. Yeah, and then Le Pichu just like I've had enough of this. Cr- yes, just crushed him at the finish. All right, oh god, um, to to the delight of the French. But in the final, Korea made it through to face USA, and USA win again. Oh, okay. so that's all four World Cups so far. With a, a comfortable USA so, win, but yeah, a, another another dominant performance from the USA right. men's foilists. They really looked pretty untroubled. And yeah, it's a team of diverse styles. Oh, there was no no Garrett Meinhardt in the team event. He has largely been sitting on the bench for the USA team this yeah. time. But um, Adam Matthew, who's made the last sixty fours in in this and um, and in Paris, uh, was doing the the water carriers job. Oh, right. So uh, I'm not quite sure why that was. Maybe, I mean, now, now if Garrett still has a has a proper day job, he may have had to, yeah. <laughs> to actually go back to work. Yeah. But yeah, the familiar uh, one, two, three of Massey Alice and Budden and Miles Chanley Watson proving right, just okay. too, too strong, too reliable for, for anyone to, to lay a finger on at the moment. Should we finish off with Barcelona here? Well, that seems yep. an excellent place to finish. Yeah. So obviously I like, uh, I like a bit of women's epi. In our last state, that, the thing about 
epitermis is the Amsterdam big. I mean, there were 274 entrants. Wow, that is Barcelona, a lot. Yeah. I mean, I how, how enormous Heidenheim was, but that's really not far behind, is it? Yeah, no, not, not at all. I mean, lots of the sort of uh, usual suspects didn't quite make it into the, the last eight. So there's no Nelip, uh, no Kolobova, uh, no Sun. Right. They, they all went out in the last 16. I still know Zsasz uh, Kovács. I don't know if I just overlooked her because I, qu- I didn't watch the whole event. But uh, looking through the, the list of entrants, I didn't see her in it at all. Anyway, because we had all these people going out in the last 16, our quarterfinals are made up of Zhu of China versus uh, Zhang of uh, Korea. Okay, now uh, this sounds like a, a thriller minute high stakes match <laughs> because uh, Zhu, being Zhu, edged out 3 2. Oh, no. Yeah. But. Uh, Talk more about that in a second, I think. Oh, do uh, we have to? Yeah, uh, in the uh, in in the second quarter final, quite an interesting matchup. It was Fiamingo versus Kang. Okay, uh, and Kang's quite good. She's in the more more like the sort of active, aggressive Korean fencing that I like. Yeah. Anyway, she edged out Fiamingo fifteen twelve, which I think's decent. In the third one, we had uh, Gukova versus uh, Andrushina of Russia. Yeah, Andrushina edged this one at fifteen twelve. Okay. Okay. And then, the fifteen twelve. Um, I mean, I didn't. I didn't see it. The fifteen twelve can actually feel like a really comfortable victory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then the last one we've got Kravitska versus uh, Belyayeva of uh, Estonia. Okay. And Kravitska edged her out fifteen uh, fourteen. Right. That's an edging out. Yeah, that is an edging out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get into this into the semi-finals, and we've got uh, Zhu versus Kang, and we've got Andersheina versus uh, Kravitska. The Zhu versus Kang one's quite good. Kang obviously doing her sort of aggressive kind of not aggressive maybe a little bit too overstating it very active, active always yeah. trying to make make try make things work. Uh, Azu is very much slow and steady. You know, I'm going to counter attack you if you come anywhere near me. French gripper, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kang Kang starts off takes the lead and then there's a break. Zhu has a word with Aubrey, comes back out and wins. That's basically what happens. <laughs> uh, it's all it takes. It's all it takes. So yeah. Aubrey, Aubrey sprinkles some pixie dust on her and she comes back out and wins 15-11. In the second semi-final, you had a... Uh, this, this one is a little bit... If you, if you, if you want to watch it, it's a little bit boring because uh, Andrushina basically uh, gives uh, Kravitska a serious thrashing at 15-5. It's really boring oh. to watch because it's just constantly... Too one-sided. Too one-sided. Right. It constantly hits her. Okay. And then we get into the sort of final and it's kind of... If you were to ask me who was going to make... A final in Barcelona. I'm not sure I would have pulled Zhu versus Andrushina out of the hat. No, it'd be I'd be surprised if that's what you'd said. Yeah, uh, it's very passive at the start. Passivity is called twice. Mm, okay, and it is pa- properly passive. There's not much happening here. Right. Andrushina can't hit Zhu. Zhu isn't going to try and hit Andrushina. She's waiting for her to do something. So we get into the third period, and uh, Zhu. This is the actually have a break at this point. Zhu comes out into the third period basically walks up they, they come together nothing's happening and all of a sudden pulls out this absolutely beautiful developing lunge from nowhere it hits Andrushina and you can almost see her doing a double take on, <laughs> on the piece yeah uh, totally and utterly off guard right so she gets hit and then after that we the, everything just starts to tick over uh, Zoo starts to get points but she isn't doing her usual passive game always obviously in the corner manipulating the, the diodes <laughs> on the on remote control yeah you know running the uh, Xbox game controller yeah. yeah but I think this is the thing I was going to come back to was uh, if you play this passive game it's really high stakes because if if you can't control that situation and somebody it's basically who, who who's going to take the initiative who's going to make the hit happen that, mm-hmm. they're going to essentially win it at this point and that's basically what happened to Andrew Shiner here and Zoo basically walks out 15-12 right yeah at that point because Andrew Shiner couldn't, couldn't hit her because yeah. every time she tried to hit her it was either a double 
Uh, that was, that was the best option. Yeah. Along and yeah. Or, another one. or Zoo yeah. would maybe hit her as she was coming in. Yeah. Or Zoo would hit her with an attack when she wasn't expecting it. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's quite an interesting final, but it doesn't okay. start off well. But it's once once, once it's into it straight. Once it's into it straight, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't want to become um, a defender of non combativity as something that we should in- encourage too much. But just occasionally, sort of having two dull periods of non combativity can set up an exciting yeah. an exciting third period yeah. when somebody does manage to seize the initiative like yeah. that. I mean, I, I, yeah. As I say, then that team match uh, from Heidenheim, I was just like, yeah, preservative, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I was a bit like, can we, get on with this? can we get on with this? But then it started off and I was just like, I'm happy now, it's, it's fine, we've yeah. got stuff happening, it's good. Okay, yeah. fair enough. No, that sounds, that sounds quite good. I might, uh, we'll check it out. I, I, may, I may go back and have a look for that one. Mm-hmm. As I say, I was uh, busy watching Bourne, so didn't... Yeah. Didn't catch Barcelona. Um, but, uh, you've you've kind of sold me on the idea of going going back to watch that. They're not all good fights. The Kang, Kang versus Zoo is definitely worth checking out, right? Because uh, there's definitely a moment where you see Kang. Sorry, you see Zoo. Uh, she's had the word with Obrey. Nobody's saying you mix us up. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. Kang's going to be if you don't go out and hit her, and that's exactly what happens. That's so again. I, I call it. The, I'm going to call it the Obrey pixie dust. That's mm-hmm. exactly what he does. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. And we've got some teams action from Barcelona we've got, we've got as well. Some teams. Right, okay. So uh, there was a team event on the following day. And in the last four, uh, we have uh, Russia, Italy, USA and Romania. Okay, that's a... Uh, well, Romania obviously are what? reigning Olympic champions. Yeah, and they're really good been. in that season. Yeah. Uh, properly excellent. But they've not been really firing very often. There was a, there was a World Cup earlier on the year where Ranza reappeared. Yes, but they've been a bit quiet. No sign of them at Barcelona in terms of the results. And they might be there lower down in the, in the rankings, but there was mm-hmm. certainly not no one there in the latter stages. So we've got, uh, in the final here, we've got Russia beats Italy to win the tournament. Okay. Okay. USA beats Romania to take the third. Which Good is interesting. USA, yeah. yeah. Because USA, you know, the USA epi is not quite as good as their, as their foil and sabre. And certainly in the women's epi, they're not quite as up there as, as, as maybe the, the rest of them are. So it's quite a good result for them as a team yeah. to take out Romania like that, because the remaining, the remaining team is very experienced. Um, outside of that, you, when you're looking at China, uh, China finished uh, seventh right. this one as well, and Korea finished down in 10th, actually. Oh, okay. So there's... So, there was some carnage earlier on in the uh, in the in, you know in the earlier rounds uh-huh. to make sure these you know these sorts of guys never finished it in the latter stages. Yeah. So no, will be pixie dust available for no, the no no. You used the, the big bucket of it for the individual. Oh, fair and, enough. And yeah. obviously you must have left all the bucket at home. You got to ration it a little bit, haven't you? You have to. Okay. Well, that so that sums up a ton of, ton of, uh, of World Cup mm-hmm. World Cup action. So, what's left on the agenda, Sean? Well, we need to pick a coolest fencer on the planet. Okay. So that was an absolute metric ton of results. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to chuck in Minobi. Of course. For being, for being, all, course. For being awesome. Yep. And also, Japanese epis, one of my favourite things. It is, yeah. yeah. Dershowitz, for his second World Cup win of the season, certainly deserves it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with a lack of a whole load of video evidence, very difficult to be absolutely sure, but I think he's... Definitely worth a nomination. Got to be worth a nomination for that. But we didn't see it though. But it sounds amazing. Yeah. Look at the people that he beat. Well, that's true. How about Cheremizinov then? As a as a blast from the past, suddenly remembering how how, how to do it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was pretty impressive. However, he's such a <laughs> grumpy guy. So and so that I, I I really struggled to to describe him as cool in any way. All oh, right, okay. He's he's a he's a proper 
anti-hero without <laughs> you know without any of the coolness that, that usually all right usually involves he needs to wear a black hoodie i suspect he probably does when he's not fencing all oh, right okay and yeah well we might have a in a derogosova yeah for i mean i know we're, we're big leaky <sighs> for fans but but she gave her such a pasting she did uh in Katowice. and she's kind of feeling that is that is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, and she and she appeared twice in our in our results round up today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to go for then. I can't pick Jeremy Sinoff as cool. You can't pick him off, okay? Can't. So strike that one from the list, okay? And I'm not so sure on Dershowitz because we didn't actually get to see him. It could be amazing, but it could be just boring fencing that just plods along and scores the points. I really doubt it. Yeah. I wish I I wish I could prove you wrong. Oh well, yeah, it yeah. is saber, but you know. Okay, Dershowitz. I'll go for Dergo's over. And I, I want to see him in Obey because he was so awesome uh, in, in Heidenheim. But I'll go for it. I'll go for Dergo's over. You're going to go for that? I'll, I'll go with you and Dergo's over. I, well, no, I was asking the question, not, yeah. not strongly stating an opinion. I'm happy to be swayed in favour of Minobi. Well, Minobi's won, won stuff before. Uh, well, actually, so Dergo's over. <laughs> Dergo's over's won yeah, loads of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm really struggling here. Do you want me to be decisive? Be decisive. I can't really want to you know, Derek Lozova. She's an amazing fencer, but I, I struggle to ha- feel the same sort in, of affection. In that case, I'm going with you. Minobia is Japanese fencing wins the day. Yeah, sorry, Ina. I'm sure you're heartbroken, but, you know, look at your massive collection of medals if you need a little, a yeah. little consolation yeah. there. I think that just about... Just about... Oh, no, hang on. That doesn't wrap us up. Now, obviously <laughs> we spend a fair bit of time on social media, mm-hmm. and um, I've been reading up on what we should be doing. Okay. And apparently we are... Not with the current trend. We need to create our own hashtag, our inspirational hashtag that people will associate with us. So I'm I'm thinking, well, you know, Miles Chandler Watson, he's a a social media superstar. Okay. Now, his fencing recently hasn't been particularly superstar-like, but that doesn't stop tens of thousands of people people from following him. All right, okay. So his one is create a legacy, not a moment. So that appears as hashtag in every single one of his social media posts. Mm. Now, I don't really know what that means. It means create a legacy, not a moment, Sean. That's exactly what it means. Yes, thank you for that insight, Gav. <laughs> that's, that's really helpful. Um, yeah, and there are a few few others out there. Uh, mm. I mean, our friend Jack Douglas, not perhaps the, the best-known fencer in the world, mm-hmm. he loves an inspirational quote. And I, I'm still undecided whether he's being ironic or not. <laughs> well, I know Jack. It's serious. that that was my fear yeah so for us we're we're turning to you our audience please give us a hashtag we need a hashtag actually I've got one Uh how about passivity over my dead body (laughs) it's a bit long (laughs) hashtag dull AP yeah Uh, hashtag trainers on the foilists I don't know (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so guys um, help us out here because I'm going to start using it if you come up with something good right and we'll we'll certainly give you a shout out if you come up with a, a an inspirational fencing podcast hashtag hashtag for us to use. So on that on that low note, our struggles to become social media influencers. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's an ambition ambition I really have. Gail. Yeah, the word but, influencer yeah. just just fills me with sort of some kind of icky kind of sick feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah me too. But let's, let's give it a try. Okay, let's give it a try. So that, I think that wraps it up. Um, thanks as always to our sponsors, Lee and Paul. Mm-hmm. They, they looked after us thoroughly well, again in Paris. 
and promise next year we're going to get v- VIP tickets. Ooh, yep. Free champagne for us. So we'll just be a, uh, in a concrete bunker in a corner somewhere. Nope. We'll be mixing with the stars. And thank you also to our Patreon supporters. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, every month, they provide us with a bit of money. Not a huge amount to them. Mm-hmm. Makes a big difference to us. Allows us to buy yeah. stuff. Allows us to organise things. Allows us to pay for website hosting. All various bits of kit. And yeah. If you'd like to support our podcast, follow the link in the show notes to our Patreon page. Make a little donation every month. It'll make a much, much better person and it'll help us to do what we do here. Yes. So, we done? I'm done. Excellent. Till next time. Bye. (laughs) 